Hello, and thank you for joining us for the Hatchbend Apostolic Church web broadcast. In our society today, some, and yes, sadly, maybe even most, question the value of preaching in their lives. But we still believe what Paul said in 1 Corinthians chapter 1. In essence, Paul preached that God has chosen the foolishness of preaching to save them that believe. And so that's why we still place such a high value on the preached Word of God in agreement to the Scripture. And so now I'd like to thank you again for joining us for a message from our pastor at Hatchbend Apostolic Church. Amen. The book of Luke chapter 11 and verse number 1, And it came to pass that as he was praying in a certain place when he ceased, one of his disciples said unto him, Lord, teach us to pray, as John also taught his disciples. And he said unto them, When you pray, say, Our Father which art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come. Thy will be done as in earth, so in heaven. Give us day by day our daily bread and forgive us our sins. For we also forgive everyone that is indebted to us. It's not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. Lord, I love you tonight. Thank you for the word. Thank you for the privilege that you've given me to preach your word. Oh God, of all the things that you would have allowed me to do in this lifetime, I'm very humbled that you allowed me, Lord, to be able to preach your word, declare the gospel. And I ask you tonight to help us all, young and old, help us to receive the word. Help us to receive it with power. Help us to receive it, God. Let it impact our lives, not just stir us but let it move us God to change in Jesus name amen in Jesus name you may be seated in the fear of the Lord because of our schedule the last couple of weeks we it's been uh, a little while since we've come back to the subject of the Lord's prayer and uh, the last time we visited this subject I was teaching from the latter portion of verse number two thy will be done as in heaven so in earth and tonight our focus is going to go to verse number 3. And in doing so, we're going to finally come to the part of the Lord's Prayer that speaks about us. The next, the next three concerns are about us in particular. Because as we continue through this pattern of prayers, I've said many times this is not just something we recite, but certainly if you can commit the Lord's Prayer to memory, it does serve as a tremendous pattern of prayer. And uh, it's just not something to walk in, close the door and recite and turn and walk out like we may do the Pledge of Allegiance or something of that nature. But it gives us a great pattern to walk by. But as we move from verse number 3 on, we deal with the, the issues or the concerns of self. And that is give us and then forgive us and then lead us. And so now we are to the point where we're going to talk about us after all of this time we just now got to us in the pattern of the Lord's prayer we kind of get that wrong sometimes don't we we're going to talk about give us give us day by day our daily bread and we do know that God takes care of our basic needs day by day in truth he takes care of more than that but he does certainly take care of our basic needs and then we'll talk about forgive us not this evening but later in our study forgive us our trespasses when we ask, give us, God takes care of us in the present. When we talk about forgive us, then the Lord is taking care of our past. And when we talk about leading us, the Lord is taking care of our future. And I'm thankful for that. 
Without a doubt, God gives daily bread to all men, righteous and wicked alike. God takes care of our needs. And so when we pray, acknowledging the line that even our daily bread is his gift to us, when we realize that we have what we have because God has been the provider of that. You know, every year as we read through the Bible in our bread program, I'm, I'm just kind of taken aback. Every time I begin to read about, and I'm just paraphrasing, but every time I begin to read about in the Old Testament when the Lord said, if you are going to need a goldsmith, I'll, I'll bless somebody to have that ability, that ability and that talent. I'll give that to them. And if you need a carpenter, when you need a carpenter, I'm going to bless them with carpentry skills. And you need somebody that can that can work stones. I'm just going to take somebody and I'm going to bless them and I'm going to give them those gifts. And so as you begin to read early on how God blesses men and or mankind, men and women, with the abilities and that we have. And so all those gifts come from the Lord. And so I want to acknowledge that. Amen. I'm not sure how all of that works, but I certainly have, have seen many, many instances of people that had particular it seemed like particular talents that were in their genetic line. You see some families that are very musically inclined and their children just hit the ground and they're able to pick up instruments or sing and, and various things of that nature or other arts and skills that seem to just be a part of that, gifts that come from God. And so he is our master, he is our provider. As the scripture says, he is our Jehovah Jireh. And so when, when Jesus uses the word bread, he is referring to everything that we need in our early existence, our earthly existence. And so whatever it is that we need, we can go to the Lord and ask him to provide that need for us. He cares about even the smallest of things. I know sometimes we think we just got to wait till something gets great big before we bring it to the Lord, but he cares about the smallest of needs. And uh, to every parent, or, or even if you're not a parent, you've had the privilege to be around children and, and watch them grow up. Uh, you know that in the life of a child, sometimes they can just panic over what we may say is nothing. But the key is that it's something to them. <laughs> right. And so one little child, just his balloon filled with helium, somehow he let it go and it just went up into the sky and... And he began to cry, of course. And, and, um, and so the parents just couldn't figure out. The dad was rather frustrated because the child just wouldn't stop crying. And somebody said, well, why don't you let me tie your wallet to one of those balloons and let it go? <laughs> you may be crying just as much. You see, it, was, it meant something. It meant something to them. And so the Lord takes care of our basic needs. And, and the smallest of things, our daily needs, we can bring that to the Lord. And so then within this request is the faith or the knowledge that God certainly will provide. We, we're not coming to the Lord on some frail faith or some maybe so or hope so. I hope this all comes out in the end. But we come to the Lord with our petitions and our faith is intact, believing that God can and will minister to those needs. So we come confidently with God and we make that need known to the Lord. The order of the Lord's prayer, of course, is intentional. As we pray with this as an outline, we honor God for his righteousness. We honor God for his right place in our life before we begin to raise our personal needs to him. 
And so I don't want to just kneel down in prayer or whatever our position and posture of prayer may be. I don't want to just enter into prayer with it being all about me. I want to go in realizing that I want to praise the Lord and magnify his name because certainly he's worthy of that. And then Jesus later reiterates, I believe, this this principle in the book of Matthew 6 and 33. It's not on the screen, but I want to read it. And many of you could quote it because he said, Seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things will be given unto you or added to you. And so uh, when we put God first, it's a very sad thing. And I'm, I, I don't wanna, I'm not complaining or bemoaning anything here tonight, but it is truthfully sad as a pastor sometimes when you see people that have church and God just somewhere way down the list. And, and church is just kind of something they do if they got time or get around to it or if nothing else, if there just hadn't, didn't have to happen to be a pebble in the path on the way to church, they come. Amen. Or they participate or they're a part or they're involved or they're, incorpor- they're included in what's going on. And, and let me say this, people can even come to church and not come to church. They can, they can come to church and not be at church. And so it's a sad thing when God is not first, but if we seek God first and put him at the head of the line, whatever it may be, if we'll seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, then he said all the things, these things. And you know what? Life is filled with things. That could be a long list that we could talk about. Life is filled with things and things that are not necessarily spiritual. But they're just daily needs that we have and we bring those petitions. But the Lord said, just keep me first in all things. And if you'll do that, I'll take care of everything else. Now, that's a pretty good business partner, I want you to know. And so if we'll just keep him first. So when we begin our prayer praising God and then we make our prayer requests or our supplications known to him, and in doing so, we're admitting that we have needs that only God can feel. And certainly life can come at us fast and it can come hard and, and uh, life can just give birth to way more questions than it does answers at times. And, and so it's in those seasons that we really, really don't really, uh, we really don't have a lot of problems praying. There's not a lot of big effort to pray when we've got that situation going on. But when life planes out, in those seasons, I still want to keep God first. And I still want to realize that he is the provider of every need that we have. If you would consider with me the children of Israel, when they were freed from the Egypt's bondage, they were faced with a tremendous dilemma. How would thousands or even millions of people be able to sustain themselves long enough to make the journey that was before them? Now, it's one thing for the Lord to say, go, and we go. And many times when we talk about the children of Israel and this wilderness journey, and I don't want to get lost in this tonight, but I do want to just underline this one more time. We forget how many people that we're actually talking about. We're not just talking about sending a group of 10 or 12. Uh, We're not just talking about sending a congregation of two or 300. But the the children of Israel, uh, the children of Israel as they began to move out was almost the population of Indianapolis, Indiana. And so the Lord says, now when the cloud moves, I want you to move. Boy, we shout about that. You know why? Because we're not under the cloud. And the fire by night, woo, glory to God, glory to God. And we shout about that. That just moves something in us because we're far removed from that. 
But this was a tremendous undertaking. And so how were all of these people going to be able to do this without providing for themselves as they had been accustomed to for so long? But here's what the Lord said in Exodus 16 and 4. Then said the Lord unto Moses, Behold, I will rain heaven, will rain bread from heaven for you, and the people shall go out and gather it a certain rate every day that I may prove them whether they will walk in my law or no. Amen. He said, I want you to understand that I'm going to take care of their daily bread, their daily bread. And so when he talks about bread here, it represents necessities and not necessarily the luxuries, but the necessities. And it's our daily bread, our everyday bread. And so we're not seeking to stockpile something for tomorrow. He said, you just tell them to gather what they need for today and that'll be a sufficient, that'll be what they need for today. Let that be sufficient for the day and then I will take care of tomorrow. Now that is walking by faith. The word translated daily is best explained by this wilderness experience during their exodus uh, from Egypt. If you would uh, were to read the book of Exodus chapter 16, this kind of highlights that. In the morning, the Bible says that the ground was covered uh, with some strange substance and they called it manna. And the word manna is literally defined, what is it? They called it manna because they didn't know what it was. And so they just started calling it manna. And so how would you like to live on what is it? <laughs> what is this? You know, again, we know the end of the story, so it kind of spoils it for us. And we think, man, a glory to God, mm, hallelujah, hallelujah. But they're walking out every day mystified. Here's that, here's, here's that mystery bread, that mystery wafer. What is this? I don't know. What is it? What is it? And so they're eating what is it every day. Every day they gathered enough for that day. And for years they experienced this. Please bear that in mind. God was supplying them with sufficient food for each day's need. And it was a lesson that they would need to remember when they reached a more prominent position in their life. When they reached the promised land where it would no longer be this to sustain them. He said, I still want you to remember that I can provide for your needs. I can fill in the gap. I can be there when there is nothing else there. Hallelujah. And so that was the lesson they were to take into that. I once read, there's several different ways I suppose of view this, but one calculation that I found interesting concerning the manna that came into the camp every day, the ground that was covered every morning with manna was, was according to some statistics, equal to about 266 football fields. And so we're talking about a massive amount of manna that's here. And so they wondered for years in the desert, almost 2 million people here providing them manna and water every day the Bible says that he provided water from the rock and that water followed them. Am I in the book? And the water followed them. Now, I don't know if it was a stream of water that followed them or just wherever they were that God provided their water for them. Either way, we had to realize that, that they weren't always walking beside some babbling brook. Maybe it didn't seem like everything was going to be there when they needed it, but when they got where they were going, God had supplied them the bread and the water that they needed for that day. Exodus 16 and 35, the Bible says, And the children of Israel did eat manna 40 years until they came to the land inhabited 
they did eat manna until they came into the borders of the land of Canaan. Now that's interesting. They ate manna for 40 years until they came into the land inhabited. They ate manna until they came into the land of Canaan. The Israelites ate manna for four decades until they reached the very border of Canaan. And here's the, the message I think we ought to take away from that, that God will provide what you need until the day comes you no longer need it. Amen. The last day of the journey, God that said, Moses, you tell them in the very beginning to walk out and pick that up off the ground and it will sustain them. And it was there all the way to the border of Canaan. But when they stepped into the land of promise, it was a land that the scripture says, you know, flows with milk and honey or a land of sustenance, a land of plenty. And so manna was no longer necessary. And so manna was not to be found the next day because God had provided for them. And so here's what we take away from that, that God can supply all the needs that I have right up until the moment that I no longer need him for that. Hallelujah. He, he's, he's not riding along the way saying, hey, you be careful now. Better save now. I may lose a few of here, a few of you here, but it's not uncommon in, uh, I guess maybe all forms of racing. But in NASCAR, if if the if the race is going a little bit long and they're about to run out of fuel, they'll just gather up enough speed and shut the motor off, because somebody's speaking in their ear. You got to conserve all you can, save all you can. Well, God wasn't just whispering in their ears, conserve all you can and save all you can. He said, I'm going to give you what you need until you no longer need it. Amen. The book of Deuteronomy 39 and or 29, excuse me, and 5. Deuteronomy 29 and 5. And I have led you 40 years in the wilderness. Your clothes have not waxen old upon you, and thy shoe is not waxen old upon thy foot. I'm going to give you what you need every day. He said, you're not, I'm, I'm, the reason you're not going to need any clothes is I'm not going to let those clothes wear out. And the reason you're not going to need any shoes is I'm not going to let your shoes wear out. Now, friend, I'm going to tell you that I believe God has blessed us in that capacity many times in our life. We've gotten a lot more mileage out of a car. We've gotten a lot more mileage out of tires. And somebody says, well, I think you're just making this up now. Uh -uh. I believe that God has just blessed certain areas of my life, and I knew that I wasn't living on, as the world called it, borrowed time. I was living on God's time. Hallelujah. And he had helped me. I got 90,000 miles out of 30,000 mile tires. That's right. And uh, so the Lord can bless. If he can keep their shoes on their feet, he can, he can bless us in other areas of our lives. And just think about how long your refrigerators lasted and your washing machine and dryers lasted. Well, I'm not just making this up as I'm going. I'm telling you, he said, I'll, I'll take care of your daily needs. I'll help you in whatever capacity that you need help in. Have you ever not known where your next meal was coming from? Have you ever been down to the, down to the wire? Hmm. See, we usually have more than enough. And so this request seems a little bit outdated. It seems a little bit out of context for us. Because not only do we have plenty, but many times we just can't even decide what we want to eat. 
And how many times have you had this conversation? If you can't decide, we've had this conversation many times. If we can't decide what we want to eat, why don't we just go to bed? We generally press through that, though. <laughs> we gain the victory over that old evil spirit. Do something. And so in our abundance, in our abundance, abundance blurs the line of provision that God is a provider. And so when we don't have to pray about our next meal or pray about how we're going to do what we're going to do, we're living in a very blessed hour, a very blessed hour. Uh, this is certainly not to be... Uh, perceived as a complaint I'm th very thankful for that but if we're in, in our blessings and in our abundance we forget that God was the one that made that possible and it can all go away in, in so much faster than we can dare imagine we forget that without God we wouldn't prosper at all he brings the sun and the rain he causes crops to grow he gives us the intelligence and the ability to learn how to earn our bread <laughs> to learn how to earn our living and our uh, whatever we do that sustains us. But when, when, were the, when was the last time that we were just thankful for the simple, simple things in life? And, you know, sometimes we have to really get pretty, hit pretty hard before we really appreciate the simple things, just the basic needs of life. We shouldn't take the ordinary blessings for God. I think one thing we want to note here this evening is that when we pray, give us, our daily bread, verse 3, give us day by day our daily bread. Give us day by day our daily bread. And so the important message is, that, is this. He did not say pray give me my daily bread. It's not me my, but it's us our. Give us our daily bread. So we're praying now beyond the border of our family and beyond the border of our network of friends and social, uh, our social circle. That's a completely different prayer. If we're, we're praying, give me mine, that's all about us. But he said, I want you to pray, give us our daily bread. And so every time we pray that prayer, we are being commanded and commissioned and directed to pray for others, our brothers and our sisters. Bless us collectively. Bless us together. If we only pray for our own needs with no thought of the needs of no one else, then we're definitely not praying like Jesus taught us to pray. In the words of, of Jesus in Matthew 25, he uh, he really kind of challenged their thoughts when he talked about finding the hungry and giving them something to eat or finding the thirsty and giving them something to drink, finding the stranger and, and inviting them in, or finding someone that needed to be clothed and clothing them, or finding someone that's sick and looking after them, or finding someone in prison and visiting them. That was the very character of God. And, and so they were wondering when... when did all this take place or how does all of this unfold and he said when you do it into the, into the least of these you have done it unto me and so when you offer somebody a cup of cool water in the name of Jesus you're doing it as unto the Lord and so that's far more than just a cup of cool water and so if we know uh, anyone in our church or anyone in our uh, our family that has a need a physical need or a 
needs bread, so to speak, as the scripture calls it, or has an emotion or, or, or a spiritual need. We want to minister to that need. We want to encourage them and help them and strengthen them somehow. We want to provide for that need. And of course, many times that means you have to roll up your sleeves and get involved because you can't say to someone that has no coat, be warm. It takes a little bit more than that. You can't just say to someone that has no food, just be full. It takes a little bit more than that. You've got to put some effort before behind that. And so God loves us to give every day things that, that people need. Sometimes, you know, we, we don't want to bother God. I've actually had people say that. I've actually felt that way myself, that, that I'm troubling God by just coming with this little simple thing. It just doesn't seem like it ought to weigh in on the radar of everything else that's going on in this world. We want to reserve those times for something extraordinary or something that's urgent or what we deem more urgent. But you see, there's not a parent in this house that wouldn't want your child to bring their needs to you. If it was a real concern to them, it would be a real concern to you. Is that right? Certainly. We would want them to bring that need. We would ask them, why didn't you tell me? Why didn't you let me know? Once, one time, a man once said, I only pray when I'm in trouble. He said, but thankfully, I'm always in trouble. So he's always praying. So Job said, man, is a few days and full of trouble. And so uh, if you only pray when you're in trouble, then we probably got a pretty good prayer life going on. Amen. Because we truly don't realize sometimes the trouble we're in, what a, what a changing world we're living in. I, I, I know that we hear that often, but it's the truth. We're living in a changing world. And so in, in the Bible times, bread was a staple of life. And so that's why there was so much emphasis put on bread because of all of our abundance today with bread, we can take it or leave it. Some are big bread eaters, some not. But that's not what the scripture is talking about. We're not talking about a loaf of bread. But bread was a staple item of life. It, it was something that was essential. It was essential to everyday living. And so Jesus was instructing his disciples to ask for what they needed to live for that day. Help me today to be sustained in this day. He also taught them not to live by bread alone, he said, but by every word that proceedeth out of the mouth of God. And so bread is a symbol for everything necessary to life and our well-being. This would obviously include food and good health and shelter and clothing, and that list could go on and on and on. But it also could include a means of income. Thank you, Lord, for my job. I thank you, Lord, for the peace in, in my home and my family and my life. I thank you for your safety. Thank you for keeping me safe on the highway. And thank you for my friends and thank you for my family. Not just those staple items of life, those must-haves, but thank you, Lord, that you've provided everything that I have Hallelujah. And that's how we ought to look at it. We, you shouldn't think you have the job you have because you got the education you got. We ought to realize I have the education I have because God blessed me. He gave me a mind sharp enough, keen enough, shrewd enough that I could be able to ace that subject and pass those tests. And, and then God opened the door of opportunity for me to have this job or that job or whatever it may be. And so let's realize that whatever we have, it comes from God. And so we're thankful for that. We have a, a custom in our church, and we try to do this always. We do it, of course, at people's request. But if, if somebody gets a new car, they want to dedicate that back to the Lord. And I think that's a good thing. I want to dedicate this, give it back to the Lord, protect the occupants, protect the drivers, and, and uh, get long life out of this thing. Just help us, Lord. De-lemonize it for us. <laughs> 
And then another thing, when you take off from a red light squeal on those tires, remember those God's tires now. <laughs> but when you start having problems with it, we can also say, hey, Lord, this car you loaned me, I need some help now. I've done God out meddling, hadn't I? Proverbs chapter 30 and verse number 8, remove far from me, Solomon said, vanity and lies, and give me neither poverty nor riches. Feed me with food convenient for me, he said. In verse number 9, Proverbs 30 and 9, lest I be full and deny thee and say, who is the Lord? Who is the Lord? Or lest I be poor and steal and take the name of my God in vain. So follow that train of thought and that logic of Solomon. He said, remove from me vanity and lies and give me neither poverty nor riches. Now think about that. Solomon was the wisest man. We know he was also the wealthiest man, but he was the wisest man. And so when Solomon compared his riches to the world, he said it's just all vanity and vexation of the spirit. And so you get this, and, and it's not going to satisfy. So Solomon said, I tell you what, Lord, if you just don't make me poor, but don't make me rich. And just feed me with food that is convenient for me. Just give me what I need today. He said, lest I become full and deny you. And there's a lot of people, it would probably shock us beyond belief if we knew how many people just really thought down inside in their gut, in their heart of hearts, just really feel like, I don't need God. I've got everything I need. I can buy whatever I need. I can buy and sell this. I can do this. I can do that. But, but Solomon said, Lord, just keep me somewhere in that middle. Give me something that's convenient for me. I don't think Solomon was preaching against prosperity or having anything because, as you know, Solomon was a wealthy man. But he said, "If here's the risk I'm running. If I get full, I may deny thee. And I might even say, who is the Lord? Or he said, if I am poor, I may steal and take the name of the Lord in vain. And so I just want you to keep me in the middle. You know, moderation is just such a key. David said, my foot standeth in an even place. If we could just learn how to stand in that even place and realize that I, I know God is my provider, so give us day by day what we need. This prayer doesn't imply that we'll, all, that we'll have everything we want, but he certainly will provide everything we need. You know, some people are trying to make their own bread. They figure, you know, if I make enough money or if I have enough of this, enough of that, that that'll make me happy, but that's not true. That's not at all true. We can spend our entire lives striving for material possessions and miss what life, life is all about. Deuteronomy 8 and 18 the Bible says, Thou shalt remember the Lord thy God, for it is he that giveth thee power to get wealth, that he might establish his covenant, which he sware unto thy fathers, as it is this day. So God is the one that provided us the ability to even have what we have. If you think about the Ark of the Covenant, the Ark of the Covenant, we know what it represents, the power of God, the anointing of God. But inside the Ark of the Covenant, there were three things. The Ten Commandments, the actual stones that God had given Moses to write on, and then there was Aaron's rod that budded, amen. And then there was the pot of manna, which was the bread that God provided day by day in their wilderness journey. It's, just, it's interesting that God made this condition that the people would gather manna and consume it. it was, it's interesting that the Lord placed all of that 
or was co- commanded men to place all of that within the ark because it was a stark reminder to them that this is not just a, I can't just meet your spiritual needs, but I can meet your natural needs. So here's my word. Here's my miracle work and power, and here's a reminder that I am the sustainer of life. I can give you what you need. God was making it necessary for them to rely on him day by day. And so when we're praying our daily bread, there's no absolutely no room for selfishness. Jesus said that when we offer bread to others, we're in effect, and this is what I was talking about a moment ago, we're in effect doing it unto him. And so there have been plenty of times, uh, and I, I'm not saying that we ought to be foolish, but there have been plenty of times that uh, in life I've probably been taken for $5 here or $10 there. They, they probably didn't have a grandfather that died. <laughs> <laughs> and so I just have to leave that in the hands of the Lord and just I, I try to follow the unction of the Spirit along those lines but sometimes you win, sometimes you lose but I, 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 as far as we're concerned but you never lose when you just do it as unto the Lord so we pass, pass the bread <laughs> so along with generosity comes contentment some people are never satisfied with what they have never Paul states this in Philippians 4 and 11. We'll read 11, 12, and 13. Not that I speak in respect of want, for I have learned, Paul said, that whatsoever state I am in, therewith to be content. So what's going on, I will learn how to be content with that. I know how both to be abased and I know how to abound. Everywhere and in all things I am instructed both to be full and to be hungry, both to abound and to suffer needs. I have found balance. I have figured out how to have and have not. I can do all things, though, he says, through Christ, which strengtheneth me. And then later in 1 Timothy 6 and 8, uh, Paul says, and having food and raiment, let us be therewith content. If we have what we need, what are we complaining about? Amen. And so we have, many of us have what we need. Isn't that true? Not talking about what we want, what we wish we had, but reliance upon God when we're thinking about God supplying all of our needs That doesn't equate to laziness, that we're just going to sit down and wait for God to just drop something out of the sky. And so Paul wrote this instruction to slothful saints in 2 Thessalonians 3 and 11. He said, For we hear that there are some which walk among you disorderly, working not at all, but are busybodies. Now them that are of such, we command and exhort by the Lord Jesus Christ that with quietness they work and eat not their own bread. But ye, brethren, be not weary in well-doing. And so he was was admonishing slothfulness there and slothful saints that we need to rise and we need to do what is right. When sin entered the world, God told Adam this. He said, from now on, from this day forward, you're going to earn your bread by the sweat of your brow. And that's how it comes in that, right? Nobody just shows up in the driveway and drops it all off and says, see you next Friday. Not quite how that works. As our musicians come, I want to close and remind you this, that one day when Jesus was praying, his disciples urged him to stop and have something to eat. And he replied by saying this, I have bread to eat that you know not of. Physical nourishment is only a, a part of what this petition of the Lord's prayer is about. I know this for a fact, that just as desperately as people need food, they need hope.
We need hope. So God established the church to serve like no one else that spirit of hope. And so while we could provide for some physical needs, I'm certain as a church we have in the past and we will in the future, what we are really doing when we come into this house and our worship services and somebody walks in to join us is we're serving up hope. Hope. To those who are spiritually starved, God invites us to come in and eat without cost. He says in Isaiah 55, why do you spend money for that which is not bread and wages for that which does not satisfy? But God offers something that will satisfy the very heart and the soul of men. And so when we think about where we are as a people, there are some pretty good reasons in the mind of men, at least, why they don't live for the Lord. One reason is they're just not hungry. Amen. They're just not hungry. There hasn't been something that stirred a hunger in them. Something hasn't come along to wake them and shake them. They're too comfortable, perhaps self-satisfied, and they're starving spiritually without food and, and really don't even know that. And there's a spiritual famine in our land, and I think we're eminently aware of that. Amen. Aware of a spiritual famine. We come into God's house and we get nourished, and and then if we're not careful, we'll get spiritually the same way we can physically. We can come to church, as I mentioned a moment ago, and not be at church because we're spiritually satisfied and we just kind of came out of obligation. And so... I don't know if I want to worship because that's not my favorite song. I don't know if I want to participate. That's not my favorite preacher. But you see, when you're hungry, it just, it doesn't matter. It really doesn't matter. If you're not hungry, you might want to look all around, pick everything apart. But when you're hungry, you just say, move out of the way. Just move out of the way. Move out of the way. Let's stand. I'm so grateful and appreciative for the blessings of life both small and great Thomas Merton wrote this he said the secret of prayer is found in this one thing the secret of prayer is found in the hunger of God if you're hungry for God then it's not it's not a challenge to pray if we're hungry for more of him the Japanese introduced a tree to the world that's called a bonsai tree it is measured in inches instead of feet as other trees are measured it's measured that way because it's not allowed to reach anywhere near its fullest growth potential but instead it grows in a stunted and miniature form the reason for this is because when that seed first burst out of the ground as a sapling, the owner pulled it out of the soil and tied off the main tap root and some of its branch feeder roots and then replanted it. And by doing this, the grower deliberately stunted its growth by limiting the root's ability to spread out and grow deep and taking enough soil nutrients to have normal growth. 
And so what was done to the bonsai tree by its owner is exactly what Satan has purposed to do to you and I. He wants to limit what we get. And I know I've said this already two or three times, but he's not even really that intimidated by you being in church if he can just keep you stunted. If he can just keep you in some bonsai form or fashion and just keep you from drawing everything you need. But when we go to God in prayer, (laughs) when we go to him in prayer, can we just make our way down to the front? When we go to him in prayer, what we're doing is driving those roots down deep into the soil of the only hope we have in this world. And so when we kneel in prayer, stand in prayer, whatever your position of prayer may be, what we're doing is we're being very, very intentional. We're saying, Lord, I want to reach my maximum potential. I want to do what you would have me to do. And I want to become what you would have me to become. This message has been brought to you today by the media ministry of Hatchbend Apostolic Church. We pray that it's ministered to you in some way, and we'd like to take this opportunity to invite you to join us in service here at Hatchbend Apostolic. Our Sunday services begin at 10 a.m. and our Wednesday night service at 7.30 p.m. For any more information or to speak with our ministry staff, please feel free to call our church office at 386-935-2806 or you can visit the contact link here on our website. Again, thank you for listening and we pray God's richest blessings on you and your family.